It's time now to get the hell out of your life. A weekly broadcast with real people, sharing real struggles, and offering real hope. Today's show will encourage, inspire, and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope. Now, let's join our host, Ron Myers, the promoter. Listeners, so good to be with you today. If you were wrongly sentenced to prison for a crime that you did not commit, in fact, 34 years in prison, would you be a little upset? I know I would. But my guest today, Gene McGuire, has this incredible story. He was in prison for 34 years, turned down for parole five times, and then found a technicality that he had his sentence thrown out for an illegal arrest and an illegal plea. So we're going to hear a story from Gene McGuire, and let me introduce my guest to you today, Gene McGuire from the big city of Dallas-Fort Worth. Hi, Gene. How are you, sir? Good morning, Ron, and to all your listeners. I'm excited to be with you. Gene McGuire, what is your story? Um, At 17 years old, I was a a sophomore in high school. I was an athlete. I made some choices and decisions to go out one night with older cousin and older stepbrother to go drink and shoot some pool at a a local bar in northeast Pennsylvania. And in about 20 minutes into it, my cousin decided he was going to rob the place. We knew we weren't going to do it ourselves, so we left. And he came back in a few minutes later by himself. And in the process of robbing the bar, he murdered the owner, the bartender. He murdered? Yeah. He murdered the bartender? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> I had to, I, yeah. I, I fell on the floor, man. And let me pick myself up. Go ahead and finish the story. Sorry about that. So, we, yeah, we, we stuck around, uh, found some money. And, you know, the whole time it was, it was just like a really quick, like 20-minute thing that, you know, all of a sudden it, we're running from a murder and uh, my cousin said he had a plan. And so I was scared. I, I knew I couldn't go back home, but we went to New York city, walked the streets for about a day and a half. My cousin took the money and, and spent it on drugs. And, and I turned myself in, I was arrested and charged. I gave a statement. My cousin, he turned himself in about 10 days later. Um, and he was arrested. He said it was his idea. He did it. But in the process of going through the courts, I had an attorney, a public defender, who suggested, recommended me to plead guilty um, to murder, and I could be out in 10 years. So I pled guilty um, nine months later, the day before my 18th birthday. I was spending the time in juvenile center, and I was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. My cousin also received life, a first degree, and, and some other time, and we started our sentence. I was at the State Correctional Institution in Canton, Pennsylvania, and I about 10 years into my sentence, you know, searching and looking for something to help um, comfort me, uh, trying to figure out the whys and what what happened of all that things that went on. All my friends went on to college and you know, marriage and all that life continues on. There I was as a lifer, and I was getting involved in the drug scene and using cocaine and meth and pills and everything else and homemade wine, just trying to mask the pain and shame of being in prison. I was invited to a prison revival at the chapel, prison chapel. And I remember going in there and, and on a Friday night, I heard the gospel that Jesus died and rose again. And I didn't make a commitment. I went back again Saturday night and 
heard the gospel again, that Jesus died and rose again. And in, in him, there's eternal life. So I knew life without parole, but I didn't know about eternal life. Um, I went back Sunday morning and I heard the gospel again. I was so convicted in my heart. I went up front, knelt down and prayed a sinner's prayer and just said, Jesus, come in my life, set me free. I want to live for you. And my life radically changed. Um, it didn't, it didn't, uh, change my, you know, my location, but I, it did change my heart in the way I, uh, I live my life and serve the Lord in prison and was spend another 25 years before a miracle happened. Um, so and, you which, were radically uh, transformed and we'll let you continue the story. You were radically yeah. changed. So how were you changed? What was different when you well, left that yeah. after saying the center prayer and you go back to your prison cell, how did your life change? Well, I, I knew that the whole drug scene because I was, I was about three years into it. We, I lived a chameleon life and we kept it quiet, you know, hustling and the selling and buying and, and bring it into prison. I, I just want no part of it. I was like, I'm out guys. Uh, I, I know one thing I'm not going to get high no more. I'm not going to get drunk no more or make no homemade wine. And you know, everything from, um, my, my anger, my temper, which wasn't explosive, but I, I would hold grudges. You know, I found myself asking people to forgive me. I, I was writing letters and apology and, and, uh, relationships were so important because, I had a relationship with the Lord. I just wanted to mend all the relationships that I had broken. But uh, the big thing was I knew right away I wasn't going to get high. I wasn't going to use drugs anymore. And my life changed. And people all around me, they, they really noticed. They said, wow, Gene, you, you look different. You act different. And so I just started, uh, uh, you know, learning to walk with the Lord and be a disciple of the Lord and uh, serve people. Wow, that's that's awesome. Listeners on the phone, Gene McGuire uh, was involved as an accomplice to murder, uh, was sentenced to life uh, when he was 18 years old. Life in prison. So here you are, you, you're in prison, you know you have life, but uh, Jesus gave you this positive attitude. I'm not leaving jail, but I love Jesus. Uh, yeah. Just kind of doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. But, you know, I, I knew the mercy. I knew the forgiveness of the Lord in my life. And I know that, you know, if you know the Lord, you know that he doesn't owe you anything, but you owe him a life of love. And so I knew I was forgiven. And because I knew I was forgiven, it was easy to forgive others. And I've never played the victim role. I'm not, uh, even in the growing up in an alcoholic family, um, a dysfunctional family, I was still fed and clothed. And, you know, we, we, uh, I still had a family. So, but I, I knew that my, my behavior, my actions, really uh, needed to be transformed. And so I just spent my time in the Word, studying the Word, memorizing verses at first, and we would memorize chapters, and we would challenge one another along the way in the prison system. So you were renewing your mind. You were renewing your mind, and it was transforming you into a new person. And uh, Oh, absolutely. So you were beginning to like yourself, I assume. You were starting to understand that, hey— with through God's forgiveness, I'm a new creation in Christ. And you know what? I can, I can have a productive life. I can make something of my life. Is that kind of what you were thinking? Oh, absolutely. I remember reading the Bible one day and the Lord said, I want you to go look in the mirror and tell yourself you're awesome. You know, <laughs> I was, you know, 
I do that every day, like Gene. Psalm, <laughs> yeah, Psalm 139 and, you know, Corinthians 517, we're a new creation. And I was like, that's stupid. That's dumb. I can't do that. And he said, no, go look in the mirror. And it, that was a, I, I write about it in my book and, and I, I share all, wherever I speak a little testimony that, that really transformed my life when I looked in the mirror. It was kind of difficult at first, even though I was a Christian. And I said, looked in right in my eyes and I said, Gene, you're awesome. And I, and I said, I'm just, I'm believing what God said about me. And you know what it did? It changed the way I view myself and the way I treated other people. Yeah. And because it just, it, yeah. And yeah, it that just makes like, sense. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we believe, we, oh. we, what we believe is what we believe. And that's how we shape our worldview. Now, let me ask you something. Yeah. You said that you were starting to mend relationships after this encounter with Jesus in jail. Did you at all spend any time of writing a letter to the victim's uh, family and apologizing? Did you reach out to that family? Well, to um, you, you're not allowed to, but the victim, uh, who was Isabel Nagy, she was six year old uh, business owner. Um, she had no, she wasn't married, nor did she have any children, but she had sister and she had nephews, and uh, so I would write the DA, I would write to the judge and I would update them as I was doing time. And then I would, you know, apologize to my high school friends and my family. Um, you know, I, I, I was sorry when it first happened. I really was, but I didn't know the, the forgiveness and I didn't know the, the, the real uh, significance of everything until after I was really born again. You know, the Lord opens your eyes to see and now, where um, was your cousin, the cousin that actually committed the murder? Mm-hmm. Was he in the same uh, prison that you were at, or, or was he in a different location? And if so, was there any communication between you and him? Well, not at first. We were separated. Uh, the judge made sure that we were separated. Um, there was years later when I was going to court, months, six months before my release, I was happened to be transported uh to his institution temporarily to go to court and he requested, he knew I was there. So he requested a, um, a meeting and he said, he wanted to, would you Billy willing to meet with him? I said, yeah. And when we met, he apologized to me for ruining my life. And I thought right away, I see, I'm, I'm very sorry too, um, of all that happened, but I want to assure you that you didn't ruin my life because I didn't waste it. I gave my life to the Lord you know, 20 some years earlier. And he said, I heard about you. He said, I've kind of asked friends in different institutions. And he said, I've heard about you. So, um, so he had heard that you were starting to become productive in your life. Well, Gene, I've got to take a break. And when I come back, I want to hear how it happened that you ended up getting released after 34 years. Listeners, I'll be back in one minute. Does God speak to us today? If so, What does he sound like? Thundering roars? Crashing waves? A booming megaphone? Maybe sometimes, but maybe it's not quite as Hollywood dramatic as all that. Maybe it's a little more simple. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. In the midst of all the noise and questions, God is speaking and we can hear his voice. We just need to learn to recognize it. So what does he sound like? He sounds like love, like reconciliation, like kindness, wisdom, hope, truth. 
Do you know those sounds? Then maybe you hear his voice more often than you think. Maybe you're being led by him more than you realize. Maybe God is speaking to you and you actually are listening. You just didn't know it. Listeners, welcome back. On the phone with me today is Gene McGuire. Gene was involved as an accomplice to a murder when he was only 17 years old. At 18, he was sentenced to life in prison in Pennsylvania, and life in Pennsylvania means life. But he um, had an encounter with Jesus in jail, and he had hope, he had optimism, and he kept praying for one day a miracle would come, and he would walk out of that prison. He walked out after 34 years. So tell us what led up to you being released after 34 years, Gene, instead of serving life. So I, I, over the years, um, I was filing commutation petitions with the Board of Pardons, and I was denied each time. So those five times over that period of 20-some years, I was denied. Um, and I just I always prayed, you know. I, I always prayed for my release, and, and if not, Lord, nevertheless, your will, not mine. And one day after I was re- denied after the fifth time, I remember the Lord told me to go back and get on your knees and thank me. So I go back in my cell and, and um, I'm thanking the Lord. And You're thanking and, him for uh, not being just, released? Is that what he's saying? Thanking yeah, the Lord for yeah, not being released? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the Bible says give thanks in all circumstances. So I would like <laughs> I would like put these scriptures to, you know, to test. You know, it's like, hey, Lord, I'm going to thank you because your plans are better than mine. But it's, it's tough, you know. And and when I got done, I, I just started thanking the Lord. He provided, protected, promoted me. And I, I heard him say in my heart, I'm going to release you, but it's not based on your effort. I don't know what you know, you know, who you know, or what you've done. So a few months later, there was a new Supreme Court ruling called Graham versus Florida. It was 2010. It dealt with juveniles who did not kill, who did not intend to kill, who did not know, and they were sentenced to life without parole. So the court felt that juveniles had the greatest chance of change and they should be given an opportunity um, through rehabilitation to have a, a parolable sentence. Well, a bunch of inmate lifers, juvenile lifers were filed petitions. I filed mine. Mine was granted. And during the process going through this, my new attorney discovered that I had been sentenced illegally. I was lied to and I had an unconstitutional sentence, which the DA agreed and the judge in Wyoming County agreed. And he released me after 34 years, nine months and 15 days. I was free to go. So 34 years Nine yeah, and, and nine. Days. Yeah, you counting them down, probably marking them there on the little wall there, and just uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're ready to get out of that place. So you walk out, and the whole world's changed. I mean, uh, cars are different, fast food restaurants different, you know, and everything in this world's different. So, what's the first thing you did when you walked out of prison? Well, we literally, I'm not trying to be spiritualizing anything, but we all gathered and there's a video out on my Facebook where we, we all gathered in the circle, even the officers and sheriffs and my attorney. And we just prayed. We worshiped people turn. We spent about 10, 15 minutes praying. But uh, we went to a restaurant 
um, and we ate. And I remember uh, picking up What was up the first thing you ate? What's the first thing you ate? <laughs> well, I had uh, Eggs Benedict with Canadian bacon and I guess some other food there. And I was, it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. remember eating with this fork. I remember eating with this fork and I was, I said, this fork is so heavy. And I, yeah, I realized this metal fork we've been eating with plasticware all my life. And, and the fork was so heavy and, you know, um, everything was, the utensils were very heavy. And that was some of the thing I noticed right away. But yeah, it's a vehicle. Hey, the cell phone, I, someone handed me a cell phone when I got out of, we, when I was released, uh, friends from California were calling and I was like, I didn't even know how to use a cell phone. I was like, where, where then do I, I actually had it upside down and, uh, <laughs> they, they came over, they said it was upside down. I couldn't hear so I never, I never saw a cell phone. I never used a cell phone until I was released. Well, well, so, my yeah, question technology. is: Here you are. I'm sorry, to, I didn't mean to interrupt, but time is limited. That's but fine. here you are. You're out. Jesus helped you walk out the doors. Was there a party? You said, "Well, thank you, Jesus. Now I'm on my own. It's it's party time. I'm going out in here. I'm going to make up for lost time." Uh, did Jesus take a back seat, or was he still in the front seat with you? Oh no! I you know I, I realized my my freedom uh, from sin wasn't suspended on myself. It was suspended on others in love with the Lord, and then my freedom from incarceration wasn't meant to spend on myself. It was meant to spend on others, and so uh, my attitude has always been a, a servant. I know I'm a son of God by faith, um, but I'm a servant in attitude, and so I was just willing to serve. So you uh, dedicated the rest of your life to the Lord. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And so what do you do today? Aren't you a chaplain? I'm a chaplain uh, for a Christian family-owned business here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the Vineyard family, Paul Vineyard, I met during a, a, one of my speaking events. and He offered me a, a place as a chaplain for his company. He said, I have over 1,500 employees working for me in 13 restaurant locations all in this area, and I would love to have you share your story with them each year and then go in and, and spend the time talking to the managers and our, our uh, wow. a lot of, a lot of teenage, a lot of college students part-time. And uh, I get to do that. I mean, I really, I really get to do this and it's, it's an amazing. So you um, get to share um, your life experiences and some of the mistakes you made with some of the younger people uh, hoping that they will learn from your mistakes and not do some of the things that you did. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's someone said, how do you chaplain? Uh, how do you work as a chaplain in a restaurant? Well, I said, I get up in the morning and I pray and I read and I say, God, use me. And I walk into the restaurant, uh, whether in Arlington or Cedar Hill or, or North Richmond Hills, and I walk into that location. And I'm, I'm telling you, Ron, the Lord has already set up a good works for us to walk in, as it says in Ephesians there, that I walk in and someone will say, Gene, can I talk to you? You know, I'm having problems with school or my parents or, hey, I, you know, there's a lot of great, great young people working for us. But, but there's some that are struggling, you know, they, they're drinking or, hey, I, I got, I'm pregnant and I can't tell my folks. And uh, so I, um, wow. I have, uh, yeah, so we have a lot of resources. If we can't help them directly, we can uh, connect them to other ministries around it. Now, yeah, one part of this healing that. process you told me about uh, off air is that that the family of the victim even had written letters to the judge uh, asking 
that you be released. Isn't that uh, correct? Yes. Uh, so as, as soon as I was released and they took the cuffs and the shackles off me and I was free to go, the district attorney walked up to me with two gentlemen, uh, the el- elderly gentlemen, and they were both ne- nephews of the victim. And they had informed me that their mother had been writing letters to the governor for years on my behalf um, in support of my release. And they shook my hand and they said, you know, we are happy that you're released. And it just, I just bawled my eyes out. Even, even now thinking about it, it's, it's emotional that they extended such um, grace and such, such a welcome. Well, um, let me ask you something, Gene. Somebody out there right now that uh, maybe their story isn't as dramatic as yours, but they have anger, bitterness. Someone has wronged them. Someone has uh, lied to them, stolen, cheated, whatever. And they have this anger and bitterness. And, you know, they can't talk to them. They don't want to see them. But on the other end, they can't sleep at night and it's something that just festers in them. What would you, as a chaplain and a man that spent 34 years in prison uh, and now is free and free with Jesus, what would you tell anybody out there that is dealing with that? Well, I, I would I would say that God loves you so much and, and that he's already forgiven you in Christ and that by embracing that, it would give you power to forgive others. And I think the the issue of forgiveness, like like this is what I say, my sin against God, my offense against God is far greater than any sin against me. And it gives me a foundation to work with. It's not always instant. You know, God's like a crock pot, not a microwave. So there's there's some instant stuff that goes on, but there's some progressive things. And and uh, I've, I've always been able to forgive people um, because in light of what God has done for me. And I, I think it's very possible um, for anybody to forgive others. And it's, it really is. It's a mark of who you are in order to forgive them because it has nothing to do with them. It's just about can you forgive them? And there's an empowerment when I, when I can release someone and stop trying to extract some penalty. Wow. Because God stops doing it on me. He, that, he doesn't that... try to. Every time I sin, right, he doesn't try to extract some kind of penalty from me. He's, he forgives me when I ask him. So we want to extend that to other people. Wow, that is so powerful, so true. Well, Gene, time is up. Uh, the name of your book is what, and where can listeners get a copy? It's called Unshackled from Ruin to Redemption, and it's available at org, And it's also, the paperback is available on Amazon if you wanted to send that into the prison system. If you know someone in the prison system, um, I would recommend uh, going to uh, Amazon and order it, and they have uh, very good success in getting it into the prisons. One last question, Gene. I always ask my guests this. How do you get the hell out of your life? Well, I would say there's only one remedy to sin, and sin causes such pain and anguish and, and hurt, and it is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. It sits at the right hand of the Father, and that is the hope of all of us. And I would say that Jesus is the only person that can get the hell out of our lives.
Amen. Amen. I love that. He can love the hell out of our life because uh, he does love each of us. He has a plan for us and he can take our bad and turn it to good, just like he did with you. Well, Gene, God bless you and may God continue to bless you with your ministry and your restaurants. And, you know, maybe one day God will anoint you. You'll walk through that restaurant and you can turn the water into wine and say, hallelujah. (laughs) 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 I'm a comedian out of work, Gene, but uh, anyway. Well, brother. I, would, I would love if you if you ever down here get a hold of me let's let's go uh, to babes and and uh, we'll we'll fill up on some good fried chicken all right brother you take it easy god bless you and we'll check in with you later okay yes please do ron have a great day ron will be back in a moment to wrap up today's conversation would you like to get the hell out of your life would you like to live a life with peace and purpose we can help you simply go to our website thepromoter.org and download your free copy of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. This free resource will encourage, empower, and inspire you to become the person God created you to become. It's time to get the hell out of your life and discover your divine destiny. Now, back to Ron. Well, Gene's story was a story of redemption, a story of grace, and most of all, a story of perseverance. You know, he could have gave up in prison and become a career prisoner and just loaf around or do whatever they do in prison. But when God met him in that church meeting, he gave his heart to Jesus. And after that, he began pursuing God with all his heart, his mind, and soul. He persevered. He didn't quit. He renewed his mind. He read the word. And then one day he said that he heard God tell him, Gene, you need to begin thanking me. And so Gene didn't really know what he was thanking him for other than thank you, Lord, for helping me become who you created me to become. And he tried over five times at parole boards to get parole, but it was no, no, no. But one day after 34 years, he heard the good news. He would be set free, and today he is living the life that God created just for him. He's a chaplain, and he loves the hell out of other people, and soon they find Jesus because of Gene and his divine destiny. You know, friends, often we can get locked in a prison of fear, a prison of doubt, and a prison of hopelessness. In order for us to become free and become the person God created us to become, we need to renew our mind. We need to read his word. We need to have daily conversations with Jesus. I mean, just like you're sitting down at Starbucks with a friend, that's how you do it with God. It's not some religious, you know, ritual. It's just open, honest dialogue with God. God, tell him your hopes, your dreams, your concerns, your worries. And when you give Jesus your heart, he gives you his voice. Allow Jesus to love the hell right out of your life, and you will become everything that God created you to become. You will have a life of peace, purpose, and passion. Until next week, this is Ron Myers reminding you that God loves you, God has a plan for you, and he wants to take all your bad and turn it into good. Get the hell out of your life.
Today's show was produced by Ron Myers Ministries, a listener-supported ministry. For a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. And would you prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we may continue to share stories of God's amazing grace with the world? And join us next week for another broadcast of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope.